You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode, we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Well, welcome to season two of the Inner Process Podcast. We have got some really good topics in store for you guys in season two, and we're excited to be recording those and researching them and diving into them. In this very first episode of season two, we're talking about New Year's resolutions. What does it look like to make them? Why do they not stick? Um, Why do we get to mid-January and we have completely bailed on most of the goals or resolutions that we've made just 14 days earlier? So we take a look at what it actually looks like to keep going with a goal or resolution and when to know maybe in some ways to stop just some things related to that. So listen in. One quick thing we would ask of you, and that is if you are enjoying what you're hearing, and especially if you're being helped by what you're hearing here on our podcast, we'd like to ask that you would just share this with a friend or two. Let them know about our podcast. We really believe in word of mouth is the way to grow this. Um, And also one last thing, maybe wherever you listen to this podcast, if you could just go and leave us a review. It helps us so much with other people finding us. And so we thank you very much, first of all, just for listening. We really, really, really are grateful for that. And secondly, we would just very much appreciate if you would be one of those two things or both. Listen in. So as you have heard from the intro today, we are talking about New Year's resolutions. I think because of our personalities, we're going to take a little bit of a different spin on this on some levels. We're probably going to approach this more from an anti-New Year's resolutions approach. Rule breakers. Um, I think when people think of us, they think of us as rule breakers. So yes, this is consistent. That might be, hopefully that's the best way they think of us. Hopefully not other ways. But yes, we're a little bit contrarian. But I think there will be method to the madness. Hopefully by the end of the show, we will have gotten somewhere with this thing. You know, so... I've done this in years past as well. I'm always curious about, well, how well do we do with our resolutions, right? And so this is out there in pop culture. It's, it's pretty easy to find now. They've done lots of research and polls around this. But essentially, what I was surprised by is 75% of Americans, at least, make New Year's resolutions. I wouldn't have guessed it would be that high. Because wow. at this point, we know that for the most part, categorically, we all fail at them. Every year, I guess, we just giddy up back to the hope well and go, you know, like, I'm going to do it this year, right? I guess is what we're doing. I like that. I mean, yeah. So 75% make them. Sadly, 80% of our resolutions bomb out by, I think, the first month in the first 30 days. Oh, that's weird. Who would have guessed that? Yeah. Shocking, right? Yeah. I think it's because it feels good. It feels good to make It feels good. It's the same as watching a movie and pretending you live in Paris. It feels nice. Way different than moving there, but it feels great. Way different. And I thought what was also interesting is that the majority of people, the reason they cite for their resolutions not working is the lack of willpower. So I'm going to make this public service announcement right now here on the podcast, and that is people, willpower is not enough. It's not enough for me. It's not enough for you. It's not enough for anyone. Willpower does not get us where we want to go. It just doesn't. We kind of rely on our willpower. I don't know why we do this because it lets us down all the time. It does. I I think the reason we do it is because 
you hear tales and maybe we all have some tale like this where, Hey, you know, I wanted to quit smoking. So I threw those cigarettes away and I didn't ever smoke again. Yep. And that happens. That happens. In fact, my own father did that. Wow. But the thing is most of the time, that's not the way this thing goes. And if you're looking to change something, it's a process. And so willpower alone, not enough. So I felt I needed to, to say that. Thank you. And I mean, there's something romantic. I think of romance movies or something like that where they have a fight and someone commits to never doing something again and then they just don't, you know, and there's this big right. catalyst moment and everything changes and a narrator kind of comes on and says, well, after that day, everything was different. I mean, no. sometimes, sure. Sometimes like quitting smoking or maybe things like that, that is what happens. But I think that's the exception and we kind of trick ourselves into believing that's the rule. Right. I think that's well said. And that's the problem, right? Because our lives would be in a way easier if that was the rule. If we just really could just, hey, I'm going to stop this thing and boom, there I go. But in reality, most things follow that well-known formula of you have some level of the way things originally are, then you have to go through that process of kind of disorder, and then you reorder it on the other side, but it's a process. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So you um, can't know, just declare it. Oh, you can declare it all day long. Yeah, this, you're welcome. You know, you know, obviously where my head goes. Michael Scott, The Office, I declare bankruptcy and just keeps repeating it and everyone has to tell him, hey man, that's not how it works. You have to do something. I think that's not how it works. You have to do something. You have to do it every day. You have to do it till it's ridiculous. And I just then, want to declare it. I like to declare it. That's what we all want. And so to that end, why don't we talk about some things that you and I have both declared through the years that have not worked out? I'll start with one. I don't know which year this was, but one year I said, from now on, I'm going to read the entire book of any book I start. I'm going to stop with this whole, like read the Ooh, first couple of chapters. That's yeah. a painful one. Why did you it's do a, that to yourself? Because I thought, well, what am I missing? By not reading the last 12 chapters of every book, right? And then people say, have you read that book? And what am I supposed to say? I usually say, well, I've read some of it or half of it. I want to say, oh, sure. Yeah, I've read that when I've read only two chapters. So I started that one. And yeah, you know what? I have literally, I was looking at this today. I have two books in my backpack here that I've read the first couple of chapters and I've had them for months. And so that's probably as far as it's going to get. So sadly, that one didn't work out for me. Bummer. Who would have thunk it? Didn't work out. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. yeah. I've given up sugar before. That was a wonderful resolution. It lasted about six hours. And during that time, <laughs> I was very, very happy and I felt great. And then I didn't. And then that just little piece of cake was calling to you from the corner of the kitchen. <laughs> At six hours, I was like a madman. I think I was just eating granulated. I was just in the <laughs> fridge eating granulated because it had been six hours. I couldn't handle it anymore. But I did last six hours. It was a good six hours. That's impressive though. Six hours off sugar. Yeah. It's the best Jody six came hours by the fridge. She's life. like, what is going on in here? And I just had white granulated sugar all over my face. She's like, I hope that's sugar. You're like, it is. And sugar. she's like, okay. Good job on the resolution. It was, it was a good start. Nice try. These are funny, but this is what it is. is you're out of the gate strong, right? Yep. And by January, if you're lucky, January 14th, you're in the fridge just pounding the cake. You know, that's how it works because it's a lot harder to do this than it seems. I think your point is a good one in that. Two things. We want to be hopeful that, okay, this is the year this thing changes for me. And 
yes, it'd be a lot easier if we just could declare and move on, right? I thought what was interesting in looking at kind of this idea of resolutions, the Latin root and origin of the word to resolve is actually to loosen, to untie, or to release. And I always am interested in the origins of words and kind of where they start and what maybe some of those early meanings were. And I think that's really interesting because in a way, what we're going to talk about is if you really have goals that you want to accomplish, in a way, you have to really loosen and untie and release those habits or or the things that are currently in the place of what you'd like to do, right? So if you mm-hmm. if you want to eat healthier, you first have to kind of understand that there's a reason why you don't eat healthy. I know we're counselors, so we're always doing this like deeper thing, right? But there are deeper reasons as to why those defaults are the defaults. There just are. Yeah. And they could be biological. It could be environmental. It could be emotional. It could be laundry list of causes. But if we don't understand that, good luck trying to quit. I think the thing that I really appreciate about what you're saying is we have to make space for that change. Yeah. So often I think we kind of look at it as we're just going to add that on. You know, I'll just add this resolution on to something. Well, we have a limited amount of space in our life. And so to your point about releasing or untying, we actually have to let something else go to have the space to do that. Yes, we do. In that way, this whole process, which is many more steps usually, I think, than two, but just to simplify it, you're looking at at a minimum of two steps. And that is kind of working on releasing and loosening what's already in the place of what you don't think is healthy enough. And then it's about, well, what does it look like to put something else in there? Um, or, or even if you want to add it along with it to start with, which is one of the things we're going to talk about, you still have to do the first part which is to decrease the power of the original habit or thing that you're looking to get rid of, right? And so I just thought that that was interesting because I think what it calls to mind is that it is quite the process to do this. And, you know, our podcast is the inner process. We're looking at most things probably from the process perspective, but it is a process. I was thinking, well, why is there an 80% failure rate for those things that we look to resolve to do? Because I'm sure when most of us start these things, they're important to us. And so why the 80%? And I think it goes back probably in part to what we said at the beginning, which is we way overestimate how powerful willpower is. It's not powerful enough to carry us through those deep-seated things that we're trying to stop. Mm-mm. Right. I mean, let's take you and sugar. Let's do the sugar thing. Let's do that. Let's talk about me and sugar. Let's do it. So you're a guy, you go along, you're like, you know what? I'm going to eat less sugar or I'm going to stop sugar. Right. Well, if you don't understand the neurochemical explosion that happens in your brain when you eat sugar, you're not stopping sugar. It's lovely. I really enjoy it. I can feel myself feel better as I I eat sugar. Or the fact that it's everywhere. You know, you have to understand that too. You're eating a hamburger. Well, the hamburger bun's got sugar in it everything has sugar in it. And so I think some of this with the resolutions, we really don't also understand what we're saying we're going to do and what that means. It's a great idea, but we don't understand what that entails. And so if we don't get that, then we're kind of doomed to fail because there's going to be these problems that that sneak in there that we didn't anticipate. And then when you're, you know, going out to eat or you're doing something and, oh, now there's sugar in this, what do I do? We kind of get stuck. And we don't know how to handle that. And then we go back into it. 
Yeah. So to change, I mean, we really have to have an accurate understanding of the why or what underpins it and then what it's about and then how we're actually going to change it on a practical level. Because without that practicality, like you said, willpower is just not going to cut it, unfortunately. No. And I wonder if part of the failure rate for this is also, you know, when you get to that place where you start to get shaky, if you kind of prematurely just scrap it because you don't realize, oh, well, this is a year-long process, actually, not a few weeks, right? Because we know that for most things that are, you know, been around for a while, listen, if you've been eating sugar for 40 years, you're probably not going to stop sugar forever in the first few days. It's just not going to happen. It's tough. Yeah, it would be really it's tough. It's really hard. It's a process. And I think it takes much longer than what we often realize or would like it to. And so then, you know, we begin to fade with it. And that I think draws in another reason why we fail. And you had said this, I think it's a great point. And that is possibly if we're really honest, if we understand what it's really going to take to change something, we might conclude that that's not important enough to us. Yep. Maybe it's important to somebody else. Maybe someone else has imposed that on us, but it might not actually be what we want. Or it might not be worth the effort, you know, because there's a lot of things we could do and we're bombarded with those messages every single day. But the truth is we don't have enough time to do it all. And so we have mm-hmm. to be a little bit choosy. And so I like what you're saying about how we have to really evaluate, do I actually want this? I mean, even mm-hmm. if I can do it, do I want that? And I think sometimes it's okay to say, well, the answer is no, you know, it's important and it's more important to some people, but it isn't as much to me. I think that's important. And it's hard to be honest. I mean, if you sat down and you talked to yourself and you said, do I want it bad enough to truly quit sugar? And the answer is, well, no, I don't. That's going to trigger some things inside, right? Because I have to deal with some internal conflict because gosh, well, I know that not eating sugar is really good for me. So what does that say about me if I don't want it enough? But I think in that moment, that's the part that will help the whole process, ironically, of even probably maybe down the line being ready to quit sugar. And that is that it's okay. There are some things I think that we need to change. And whether we want it enough, we really need to change those things, right? Certain health things and stuff. But for many things, I think that we look to change. It may be that if we're honest, the process of change is going to be too complex for us and where we're at now. But there are some things that can be done in the meantime, working the way towards becoming really ready to go through the whole process. And so I think that's some of the things that we can talk about too. This is sometimes where I'll talk to people about adding something healthier to what we're already doing. Now, we'll go back to the beginning. I still think in order to do that well, you do have to work on lessening those things that you're looking to change. So that's the loosening idea. but. Sometimes it's as simple as if you're trying to eat more healthy, gosh, add an apple a day, right? So maybe taking something away is just too difficult, but adding something that's healthier, I think can help with the loosening process. Yeah. I think one small step towards that goal and then recognizing that at some point, maybe before the goal is reached, it might be enough. Well, I'll give an example. Every year when it warms up, I tell myself I'm going to run a marathon this year. Hmm. And every year I train and I get up to uh, about 12 or 13 miles and I get bored and I go, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not that great to me anymore. And I quit. 
and that's okay. I mean, I, I don't quit completely, but I just, I stop at that mileage because that's just where I'm at now. Yeah. Consider that versus saying, well, I'm going to run a marathon. And then I go to 12 miles and I say, well, I didn't run a marathon. So I failed. And I'm done. Yeah. Well, am I more healthy having run at least 12 miles? Well, sure. Yeah. There's That's been a, a lot point. of benefit along the way. I just haven't gotten to that goal because maybe that goal wasn't actually accurate, but I didn't know it until I got into it. That's a great point. And so maybe you're coming up with resolutions that are in theory, great ideas, but in practice, they're a little too far out there. Maybe yeah. giving up sugar entirely is too far out there, but maybe you give it up three days a week. But you have to take those small steps to kind of get to the place of deciding. Yeah, and I think the small steps, I mean, we talked about this. We did a whole episode on how we make changes. It's actually a two-parter. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. We talked about the process, but I'll briefly mention again. I mean, the process of change it is more elaborate and it is more of a process than I think we often realize. And part of that is starting as small as you can stand to start. We all want to come out of the gate and hit the home run, but Mm -hmm. in order to really make a change, usually you have to start a lot smaller than that because really changes happen with enough consistent action over enough time. And I think one of the reasons probably that resolutions fail is that, you know, starting January one, we say, okay, December 31st, that was the last day I'm eating sugar. And so this is the first day of my new life, right? That's a huge goal. I mean, your own brain is going to work against you with that goal. There's a lot more to this than that Unless you have a ton of like negative reinforcement to keep that going, you know, it's just not going to happen. What I love though, personally, is I love the buildup to the resolution. That's my favorite part. I'm going to quit sugar on January 1st. So that means... I need to eat a cake and I need to eat some candy. I need to really stockpile all this stuff for the last, that's my favorite. And in some ways, I think that's why I make the resolution because I love the buildup so much. Interesting. That's a really good point. That is human nature, human behavior 101. This thing is. is about to go away. So I am going to hoard it and go crazy with it before it goes. Yep. And of course, when the next day happens and I'm supposed to magically stop doing it, but all the cakes laying around. Yeah much harder. Yeah. I know sometimes I talk to people and they, they talk about, well, I'm going to quit drinking, you know, January mm-hmm. 1st. And there is, I mean, people talk about sober January and that sort of thing. So what makes it really difficult is they'll go out New Year's Eve and they'll drink way too much, mm-hmm. wake up on the first hungover, and then attempt to not drink anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you're really hungover, you don't feel great, probably not tempted to drink alcohol, but a lot of times you wake up and you don't feel well and you think, well, you know, a drink would be great right now because I'm not feeling that great. Right. And so we kind of set ourselves up for that failure to follow through. We do. And I think this kind of calls into this conversation a little bit of that deeper component, right? Because you and I both do quite a bit of addictions work and not everything that we're looking to stop is an addiction by any stretch of the imagination. But I think An understanding of how we can really be beholden to a thing is really helpful because it probably has more power than what we realize. And there is a cycle to that. And you're perfectly outlining it, which is, you know, when you get to that place where you're doing that thing that you don't want to do, whether it's a habit or otherwise, you're actually more likely to do it more, not less, usually because of the way of kind of that cycle works. And maybe in a future episode, we can talk about that more in depth, because I think it's just a helpful cycle to understand 
just in life in general, but for those things that we really are looking to disavow ourselves of, but it's a process and it's got a lot more power. And so along those lines, that's where I think understanding that and those deeper components and starting smaller to make it a lot more likely and realistic that you keep doing it. And also one of the things that I often think for myself and work with clients on is be as specific and as prepared as you can be. And you've said this because if you're going to stop eating sugar, but on January 1st, you've got sugar all over your house. You just kind of nebulously like, "Ah, I'm going to quit tomorrow, but you've made no preparations for it. Guess what? Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And that's okay. That's the other part is it's okay. I mean, we can practice acceptance around that, but I think we need to be kind of honest with ourselves. Let me think of it this way. What you're saying really comes down to, we have to recognize that it takes more than just saying it. It takes action. And we have to really adequately understand what that means to do it. And that means taking precautions and being proactive, not being reactive. Because the chances are in those moments of reaction, we're not going to uphold that resolution. Correct. So the takeaway for me today is, you know what? We can make our resolutions, right? Call them whatever you want to call them. We can have goals. We can have resolutions. It's fine. We're titling this the anti-New Year's resolution show, but it's fine to make resolutions. But in order to do that, I think we have to understand what we're really doing and what we're attempting. And if it doesn't work, then that's okay. We're just not at that place yet. But maybe there are some smaller things that we are at the place at that we can adopt and institute in our lives that will, like you said about the marathon, it will be moving us down the track towards possibly a better or bigger change in the future. Yeah. I think stick to resolutions you can do every day. That would be my advice to people is if you can do it today then do it. And that's great. And kept your word and the rest we'll figure out later. So I think hopefully today, this has been helpful for you. I need to go because I need to make my list of resolutions and and it's very long and I'm sure it's going to last. We're going to do a follow-up episode on all the ways you failed. We'll Stay start recording in about 20 minutes when I'm wild-eyed and, and you're like, how did it go quitting coffee and sugar today? And I'll just say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I just want to remind everybody, if you are in this space of wanting to change, you are not alone. All of us feel that. And I think the yeah. year is a good end cap and it makes us contemplate, and especially this year, think about what we've been through, and perhaps what we'd like to change about the next year. And so I want to just applaud you for wanting better things for yourself. And then I want you to know that there is a way to do it, but it's incrementally and it's small and set yourself up for success, not failure. And so hopefully this episode helps you do that. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Mike and I would also like to ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, could you share it with a friend? We've loved getting all the feedback and comments thus far. Thanks.